Hello and welcome to this episode of the Bulletproof Development Podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about all things property development across the Bulletproof Development Podcast series and episodes. And in this episode, I have great pleasure to have here in the studio, Paul Hemming, who is a co-founder and director of C-Link. Now, C-Link uh, produce a piece of software that helps developers um, understand procurement, put together procurement packages and exploit the benefits of construction management, which if you've listened to some of these previous episodes or seen any of our social media content, you would see that one of our um, main strategies that we promote and that we would like people to follow is construction management. So firstly, Paul, welcome uh, here on the podcast. Good to have you here. Very nice to be here. Thanks for having me. And we are just going to have a chat on all things uh, construction management, really. Wonderful. Um, and uh, just bore the listeners with some uh, technical details of construction couldn't, management. Couldn't be much drier a topic, right? Uh, yeah. And just to put some context here. So we are both, um, firstly, we're both called Paul, which is going to get confusing. Uh, and also we are both industry professionals uh, in the construction industry or from the construction industry. So apologies is some of the... Um, Jargon. Uh, jargon comes out. Yeah, we'll try to make it as simple as everybody for understand for everybody to understand. Um, but we are both passionate about construction management and uh, you know passionate about what we do. So why don't we start off, Paul? Tell me, um, tell me about construction or C Link. Construct also known as Construction Link. Tell me about C Link. What you do? Why you're doing what you do? How you've got to where you are now? Um, okay, so I guess. Uh, starting from the top, really, as to why I got into construction, it wasn't a uh, necessarily a choice of why I got into construction. I kind of fell into it. It's the same for most of us, I think. Yeah, isn't I it? don't think many people wake up and think, <laughs> I want to be a uh, quantity surveyor, which is what I ended up being. Um, but I, I had left school, or I was coming to the end of school, and I had uh, always wanted to be a journalist, a uh, football writer, actually, as it was. I wrote to um, every paper in the country pretty much and got rejected by everyone. Um, everyone said go to uni and then come back in a few years. For whatever reason, I didn't really want to go to uni at the time. So um, I decided to go straight out of school into work. Yeah. And um, summing through the local paper in my hometown, I, uh, I saw a job opportunity for a trainee quantity surveyor, not even knowing what it was. And uh, thought I'd go for the interview. Uh, my best mate did actually tell me don't do that. You're just going to be counting bricks for the rest of your life. You'll be miserable. Um, was he right? I haven't been counting bricks, but maybe a little bit miserable. My uh, my first ever careers advisor at school told me that I was only good to be a bricklayer. Really? Yeah. She's when I, I could was, have been counting your bricks. Yeah, yeah. And so she was. I guess she was right to some extent because we ended up. In, I've ended up in construction and property. Yeah. yeah without the bricklaying. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I ended up taking the job. It was at a. Um, relatively small subcontractor. Um, they're actually not that small, to be fair. They're 20, 25 million turnover, um, curtain walling contractor. And they were actually an amazing company to start with, Alimet Systems. Um, 15, 20 minutes down the road from my hometown in Stratford-upon-Avon. Stratford and uh, yeah, I learned how to be a QSA. I worked with some uh, really, really good people. I moved to London in 2012 and since then, I'm, I'm actually stayed in curtain walling and subcontracting, and I moved to a really big multinational, Permastelisa Group, and worked on some amazing projects. Um, Battersea Power Station, the Walkie Talkie, 20 Fenchurch Street. And um, I was all about 
career at the time. Um, but one night in the pub with a good friend of mine, also a QS, um, he said to me, he was having all these problems with procurement, subcontract procurement in particular. His name, Chris, um, who is now my business partner at C-Link, was working for a high-end residential main contractor. I was working on massive projects as a subcontractor, but both of us were still having relatively similar issues with subcontracting, finding the whole process quite challenging and um, the fact that there was a lot of waste. And so credit to Chris, I can't take credit for, for it. Um, as many things do, all good all good things come from the pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, yeah. You'd be amazed, probably, how many business ideas or ventures were grown exactly. from the back of a beer mat in a pub. Yeah. So uh, we were in the pub, and he came up with simple concept of creating some software to improve the process of uh, procuring subcontractors. Whether you're a developer, whether you're a main contractor, whether you're a subcontractor, um, make the process simple. And yeah, five years down the line, um, things are moving quite nicely. So I have seen C-Link. Um, I have, you know, had a had a look at it with you. I've seen all of your literature. You know, you've you send me emails with uh, some really really good eBooks and and some you know some good technical guides. Well, I wanted to be a writer, didn't I? So, <laughs> and it it strikes me that you guys have really filled a gap and a void um, that is in the construction industry. So I have, through my projects, used probably every type of management system for construction. Mm -hmm. And most of the time they are heavy, clunky, horrible to use, no user interface, you know, um, and they probably last one project and then, and then move you move on. on. Yeah. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to name and shame software packages because sure. it wouldn't be nice to do that. But there's some major ones that in my experience in development, I have paid lots of money for licenses towards software and uh, they've lasted one project and literally thrown by the wayside. And so when I saw C-Link, and this is not me doing the sales pitch for you in any Go way, ahead, but yeah, but when I saw C-Link, it was, it was a clean user interface. It was um, easy to use, looked easy to use, you know, and it, and it generally filled a gap that there was a need for mm. without lots of fluff that comes with, a lot of the construction packages. Yeah, well, I, one, one of the things that we wanted to achieve was whether it was me as being a QS, um, working on the projects that I was working on, or, or Chris, or whether you're a developer, a main contractor, whoever you are, um, generally speaking, there's a lot of noise day to day, um, and we wanted to try and remove the noise from our software. A lot of um, the tools that you use, there's huge amounts going on, and so we wanted to make a really simple, stripped back, blank canvas, um, simple, simple to use um, bit of software that wouldn't, would just de deliver, if, if that makes sense. So, um, and you get, I'm guessing that the, the uptake on, uh, see, when I used, again, some of these software packages, the training time and the uptake, and you're forgetting that some site managers, some construction professionals are quite stuck in their way. And to get them to convert to new systems, I found was really difficult when employing a group of people. Do you find that people, because it's simple and easy to use and clean to use, people buy into it straight away? And, and, uh, and I wish they would. <laughs> um, we, we, we definitely do with um, some, some people, quite a few um, people, of course. Uh, I do feel like the older generation, um, 
and it does make sense, are less inclined to um, onboard themselves with technology. Um, but people who are using it um, and, and who are open to technology, if you like, um, yeah. very much the, the feedback has been that it's very simple, easy to use, uh, clean, and that it, it works. And um, we do pride ourselves on that. There's a lot of software out there that um, says it does something and doesn't, but ours, we're very much focused on it just being specialist procurement. It's very niche um, and it does what it says on the tin. Yeah. So for those of you that are listening that have, again, watched some content of ours and have, have also seen, uh, listened to previous podcasts, you know that we, I absolutely love construction management um, <laughs> and it came into me and I say love because I've experienced the benefits on more than one occasion. And I, my eyes were opened up to construction management probably four years or so ago. Now, I, when I say eyes were opened up, I knew construction management companies existed. I knew a large scale, you know, if we pick one, Mace, for instance, which are mm -hmm. huge construction managers. So I knew construction management existed at a very high level for large projects. Yeah. But we were actually um, prompted to use construction management as a method of procurement, if you call it that. And just to let you all know what that is, if you're not sure, um, it's effectively not using a traditional form of contract to appoint a builder or a contractor. So not mm -hmm. using a JCT standard building contract, not using a design and build contract. And effectively, the developer becomes the principal and main contractor to some extent and issues lots of package contracts or subcontracts to individual subcontractors. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the traditional construction management for which a company like Mace originally grew their business was that you would employ a construction manager of sorts, i.e. a mace, who would then manage the process for you, but they wouldn't actually be a main contractor or a principal contractor in the original or traditional sense. So so they would act more like a consultant. A, yeah, a exactly. Project um, manager, you know, a, a, an architect, a consultant effectively. Precisely, yeah. And um, what we are calling agile construction management at C-Link is where the developer is as opposed to employing, employing a mace or an entity to act as construction manager, they um, take some resource in-house, whether it's project management, construction management, and manage things themselves. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is per so it's perfect strategy if somebody's out there wanting to move into development. They may be a contractor already. They may be a you know they 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 may be have a construction background or a professional background like us mm -hmm. to make that step into becoming the developer and straight away going into using you know construction management as a a way to set up their project is is a is a really easy step. Hundred percent, and it's uh, we believe the leanest way to do uh, to work construction. It's the cheapest way to do construction and. Uh, Therefore, perhaps the best. Yeah. So let's talk. Uh, talk to me a little bit about lean construction because a lot of your literature that you guys send me on the mail shots and on your mailing list is focuses quite heavy on exploiting lean construction. Um, mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about you know what in your head what is lean construction? What 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 you can achieve if you're not already if you're a developer out there not already looking at lean construction and simply completing a design and build contract and going to a builder, there you go, there's your contract, get on with it. You know, what are they missing out on? Well, I would say that um, lean construction can be any um, procurement route. So it's not that construction management as a procurement route is lean. You c it, it can be lean, yeah. as, as can design and build, as can um, other procurement routes. Um, they can all be lean and managed in an um, intelligent way. I guess the... Um, 
the way we see the leanest, economically speaking, is uh, agile construction management or construction management, whereby the developer is managing things in-house with a project manager, QS, whoever, some intelligent construction resource who is managing uh, subcontractors direct, onboarding subcontractors with uh, direct contracts. And in doing that, um, taking away the management that traditionally a main contractor does. Um, and I think one of the uh, standout things that we see in the developers that we speak to is that there is a bit of a misconception as to what you're paying for with the main contractor, with the traditional route. Um, so We've we, all seen the prelim lists with about 500 items on there and you're not well, exactly. quite sure exactly yeah. what they uh, what they are for. There's... there's, there's even with the um, extensive prelim lists, there's a lot of developers that we speak to that still don't really understand what they're paying for. So um, we did, we, we've run a few examples and, and just to simplify it, um, say on a million pounds worth of construction cost, you're employing a main contractor for one million pounds. As part of that, you would expect somewhere between five and 12% um, to be just pure profit for the main contractor, which um, potentially can come back to you as a developer if you go with the agile route but and perhaps more importantly um, there's probably at least another 10% allocated to prelim which yes there's some prelim that you would pay yourself with um, site storage and setup etc but the majority of that cost would actually be for the main contractors expert construction manager and or project manager and or QS um, and so effectively if you're doing a million pound build which um, it's probably a small development. Um, you're, you're spending £100,000 to have a main contractor um, to pay their experts um, who could effectively be your experts and then after one year you're never going to see them again and you're never going to benefit from that £100,000 that you've invested in management, let's say. Um, so one of the... And that transfer of knowledge between between projects is invaluable, really, isn't it? Precisely. I mean, the uh, one of the things that people, uh, the Latham reports, Egan reports um, in construction going back the last 10, 20 years has always been about that it's a fragmented industry and project teams work, may collaborate well together. They may not collaborate well together. In the best case, when they do collaborate together and they have an amazing project, the lessons learned are kept um, to yourself because you, you may have worked on an amazing team, but guess what? It's a different team of subcontractors, it's a different client, it's a different main contractor next time round. And uh, that's something that I think a lot of developers, um, from, from just from the people that we speak to, don't necessarily realise that they're spending 100000 for every million pounds on management that they're then actually taking no benefit from. So if you can spend £100,000, I'm not suggesting that you do, you can get project managers for, for less than that, but you could get an amazing project manager for £100,000 who could run your projects superbly, perhaps better than the uh, main contractor where they have lots of other responsibilities and could be embedded into your business so that as you're looking at your next um, project, your next development, and you're thinking, are my construction costs realistic for this? Is the program realistic for this? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, you've got someone, you've got a sounding board, you've got genuine knowledge within the business who uh, you can tap into. See, development is a strange one because if you, um, if you look at any business, people that either step into development or look from the outside at property developers and even developers themselves, they tend to not think of themselves as, as a business 
as a business activity. And you, you've just hit the nail on the head. If you was in any business, if you've got a product or a service of some sort, you want to improve that every single time. You know, you want to, every time you take another project, you want to improve what you've done the time before. And that is a process of, you know, never ending and constant improvement, isn't yeah. it? Which is, but you're right. If you use a, um, a traditional method with contractors, and then the next project you use a different contractor because it's very unlikely that you use the same one on the second project just for the way the industry works. Mm. Um, you lose all of that benefit that you could have got and, and you get you don't benefit from that improvement. And really, the product as a developer is building units that, that is a process that can be improved upon. Absolutely. should be, And it should be improved upon every, every single uh, step of the way. I totally agree. Um, and uh, agile construction management or construction management is a way in which I now know a lot of successful, you know, uh, developers that are doing multiple projects per year mm -hmm. are all transitioning into or are all using already. Yeah. Well, we've honestly, it's, uh, when we, when we set up the business five years ago, so Chris and I are both from contracting backgrounds. The intention was never really to work with developers. We thought we were creating software for main contractors who would then subcontract. But in the last um, period, the last couple of years, whether it's something to do with the housing market um, stagnating and making life a bit more difficult for developers, it does seem, well, we have hit a little bit of a niche, if you like, where we now are predominantly working with developers who want to do construction management, agile construction management, whatever you want to call it, um, who, are, who are using it. And um, I firmly believe that that is where a lot of, particularly the SME um, development um, companies are are going because it's, it as I've, as I've said, without banging the drum, it does seem to be the leanest leanest way to go. Yeah. So one of the big features that I've seen uh, on Sealink, uh, one of the big benefits is packaging together a construction project. So let's touch a little bit um, on different types of packages, packaging together a contract so we can try and get people to understand how okay. that process works um, and how Sealink produces, you know, the same type of documents repeatedly on brand with a developer, you know, in set formats that, that are industry standard formats that allow people to really get the, the right information yeah. quickly. Because one of the, if I look back at projects that went bad that I've been involved with over the past, the, the bad apples, if you want to call them that, or the bad parts of the project mm. always stem from number one, a lack of information or number two, a lack of understanding of what was required. Yeah. And interfacing and so on, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my background is I'm a QS quantity surveyor. And so the software that we've built, I can't claim to have built it myself. I'm not a, a tech guy, but we have a team that have done that. And the software is effectively the brainchild for want of a better phrase of a team of QSs who have come together and thought, how can we put our knowledge into software that is then scalable and usable by all? So traditionally, um, what would happen at the start of a project, whether you're a main contractor, a subcontractor, whoever you are in construction, you would receive a bundle of drawings, documents, you would either print them off or look at look through them and you would try and work out the different specialist components that you had, whether it's dry lining, brickwork, et cetera, et cetera, the different trade packages. And you would start to bundle them up. So you would you would put the relevant documents with the relevant packages and you would start to think about how what your procurement route was going to be. 
for example, with the M&E, whether you were going to do mechanical and electrical as a combined package or if you, you were going to do mechanical as one, electrical as one, yeah. and try and interface them. And so what we have done with the software is we've tried to remove the need for someone to do that, um, for someone to unpackage a project. So at the very outset of a scheme, you throw your drawings, for want of a better phrase again, into our software and we will read the drawings, the, the software will, and it will tell you the various different components of the project that you could potentially uh, procure. So A to Z, effectively, so from the groundworks all the way through to the cleaning, taught you through the different packages that you could procure. And then um, you effectively decide which ones that you want to procure. And um, we have standard template documentation so that you answer a series of questions and formal tender and contract documents. So we have JCTs and so on are pulled together very, very quickly for you and then issued out in a standardized process so that um, you don't have complications with um, misinformation and certain people having certain bits of information, other people not. See, because the old way of doing things, which you see so commonly used, I do anyway now, is is still just chuck an email out with a few documents on and one line in the message and that's it and let the builder or the subcontractor lead the process or lead the negotiations, if you want to call it that, as opposed to providing them with an exact set of documents at the start, a tender pack to say, this is what we want from you. And specific requirements as to exactly what you want them to do. So not just throwing drawings and saying, give me a prize for the dry lining, sticking with dry lining, saying we want this specific dry lining, we want it um, under these terms and conditions, we want it starting on this date and ending on this date. Um, f- all things that are incredibly important to you actually delivering on a uh, on a budget, um, it's all done for you through the software effectively. So just from my own interest, not relevant to listeners, was that quite a techie and complicated process building a piece of intelligence that that can do that and unpackage those drawings. I would love <laughs> to uh, take full credit for it, um, but it was, yeah. So, um, I mean, the way, a, a little bit of insight into how it works, effectively there is a, uh, a construction code, if you like, as to how um, we work as an industry where you have the MBS specification, yep. um, NRM, SMM, um, where effectively you have an A to Z of all the production, all the all the products, materials um, available in, in the industry and how they're allocated. So we've worked off the back of that to then find and identify certain things in drawings, which then get pinned and tagged to uh, different packages. I can't, I, I can't <laughs> claim to have been the man who has... Uh, actually done it myself but I was at least part of the team that um, masterminded no, no, the no, concept no. It's, 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 it, to me it's having sat and been that person that's had to unpackage packages or, or construction contracts before and build specifications it's a miserable process yeah you wouldn't wish that upon anybody <laughs> and even though there are some pieces of software that have been designed by some sort of industry regulators rebar and mm-hmm. you know, to build specif- specification tools and stuff like that it's still a difficult process and uh, and yeah if you've created a piece of intelligence that does that automatically you've um you've made put smiles on a lot of qs's faces probably perhaps yeah i mean i think there's a few of them that might think uh they're being done out of a job potentially but uh yeah no it's it's it, it works really well and we actually have some really big plans for where we want it to go and even more um functionality on how it could work so that 
potentially it could actually start to put together bills of quantities for you and, and so on. And so uh, timing, so because I'll give you an example of a live project I've got at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have sent some documents to uh, a QS and this is in no bad way. If, if you are that QS listening to this, again, I won't name you, but if you are listening to this, this is in no way, uh, you know, a, a, a gripe at Don't all. Don't be mean to QSs. It is, yeah, it's the way the industry works. But I've, I'm two weeks into sending this documents and I'm wait, still waiting for a cost plan. Mm-hmm. Now I know that's because everybody's busy and it's, you know, it's an industry that um, is, is overloaded sometimes, busy, overwhelmed to some extent. Um, and so to be able to shortcut that period yeah. of what you would potentially, because as a developer, if I, as a small scale developer, if I was to want to package a contract, I would send it to a QS if I mm-hmm. didn't have one in house, who would be an external consultant and they would be working for me as and when they have time to fit me in around their other clients. Yeah. And I'd probably wait a few weeks to get back a suite of documents or a set of information that's, that's packaged together to send out to tender. Yeah. Um, you almost certainly would. And that's because it is a process that takes a lot of time. It's uh, having done it myself many, many times. It's if you want to do it um, right without software, um, it does it does take time. Um, and I have a lot of respect for it. It was something that I was, I was doing yeah. before, but um, the, the concept of C-Link is scaling what a QS can do for you. So you can act to some extent as a QS because you've got all the tools around you to do it um, and makes the process a lot quicker and you're taking control of it as opposed to in your situation where you're sending it out and twiddling your thumbs hoping that something comes back nice and quickly. We we believe with C-Link um, and all of our case studies that you should at the outset of your project um, within 30 days, probably less, um, be able to throw your drawings into our software get everything packaged up, send out professional tender documents and uh, receive back market prices from our supply chain all within anywhere between 14 and 28 days. And that's actual live market um, data as opposed to um, how a QS would generally cost something, which would um, include, they, they would do it off BCIS perhaps. Yeah. Um, Spons, whatever they would use, and they would also perhaps include an element of risk for themselves and their PI, yeah, um, sure. which means that your actual cost might be five or ten percent higher um, in the cost plan than it is in in reality. So that's what we um, believe you can get with Ceiling as software in terms of cost understanding. But then that actually then transmits through the job to be able to actually say, so these processes that I've got, I'm going to convert them into professional contracts and uh, actually manage the subcontractors using the portal as well. So you guys recommend suppliers or you've got suppliers plugged into your software as well? So we've got, um, it's not suppliers. We have a handful of suppliers, but have largely focused on subcontractors. Okay. So anyone who can do uh, a specialist trade. Yeah. Guess, service yeah. plus material, let's say. So it's either you could do, well, it could be design only. It could be design and supply, design, supply and install, supply and install, install only. So all the people that you're, main contractor is typically um, procuring to build a job. Um, we have every trade covered um, so that you can actually go up to price on every single package. Okay. So you, um, we mentioned off, off air before we done this, that you, you, your suppliers are in specific areas at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a plan to grow that 
base of subcontractors? Absolutely. Um, we've we've focused on London and the southeast as an area where we thought, rather than spreading ourselves too thin, we wanted to first solve in inverted commas an area. The density of construction is is this projects on every street. There's ample. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so um, we felt rather than spreading ourselves thin, we'd focus on a on a single area. We've we've done that, um, and we have a really developed supply chain. Um, and the plan is to. Uh, move out across the country. We're not quite sure in what form that will be, whether it will be um, moving slowly but surely north or whether it will be actually identifying specific areas, hotspots, so uh, Birmingham in the West Midlands, Manchester in the Northwest perhaps as um, places where there's a lot of construction at the moment where we might focus initially. So if you if um, I'm a developer that's not working in London and the Southeast, I can still the software would still be relevant and there would still be functionality in there for me if I wasn't plugging into your subcontractors. So if I had my own supply chain, you know, my own subcontractors, yes, there'd still be a benefit to me using. Yeah. So the um, so the the software allows you to construction manage. Um, Currently, if you're in London and the Southeast, it allows you to construction manage and tap into a big supply chain of okay. pre-qualified uh, contractors. But if you're not in the in the area, if you like, if you're not building in the area, then um, what it gives you is it gives you the contracts, it reads the drawings, it unpackages everything, it gives you uh, the ability to process everything, and you can use your own supply chain or your own network of contractors to uh, tap into the tools. Okay, and just send them the information that Sealink pumps out. Basically. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we was uh, talking uh, before we pressed record on this podcast about the five-year plan. Yes. Okay. Um, Just give me a little bit on that. and, and, and five-year problem. Five-year problem, sorry. The yeah. five-year problem is, which is something that we've kind of dubbed um, internally as part of a, we were actually rewriting our business plan um, very recently. And in doing that, we're looking at the market and looking at where, where things were going in construction and for developers. Because as I said, initially we were setting out to solve a problem for main contractors. We're kind of shifting now to solving a problem for developers. So looking at developers and looking at what they've got coming for them, um, we we were looking at house prices and the expectations, the forecast there. Um, Apparently on Sky News this morning, so I saw, we're all, as developers, we're all going to be giving away houses to first-time buyers at a £100,000 discount. Really? So there's a government initiative that's been announced today that's having public consultation. Really? Wonderful. Yeah, apparently everybody in every village, in every town is going to be entitled to an affordable house on a on a development. Really? Uh, I asked the question how that's going to be paid for. <laughs> but that's wow. a dis- Sorry, I digress there. <laughs> no, no, that's absolutely fine. Um, but yeah. It, might, it, may, it may be the developers paying for it. Eh? Yeah. Um, no, but um, yeah, the, f- the five-year problem, as we've dubbed it, is is that effectively in the UK, um, forecast house price, average house price growth over the next five years, compound is 14%, 14.7%, I think, off the top of my head. Um, and in London is 11, 12% mm. um, versus what the RICS are forecasting in construction costs of more like 20%. Um, And so that year on year, there's a deficit between house price growth and um, the cost of construction. And overall for the UK, you're looking at about a 5% difference in cost in the negative 
and in London in particular, is eight, eight or nine percent, largely due to increasing material prices and also the skills gap as well. Well, Brexit's going to hit, but you know, it's uh, there is another podcast I'm doing on Brexit okay. for developers and construction because it's it's huge. It's mm-hmm. it's not being spoken about that much, but you know, we don't realise how many building materials come from outside the country into the country huge volume, um, yeah. through Europe. Yeah. And so the cost, you know, just the cost of raw material is going to increase. And when you're seeing contractors working on margins of, you know, single percentages, small single percentages mm-hmm. as well, it will have an effect. 100%. And it'll be an effect that the developer feels straight away immediately. And I think this is... Um this is one of the reasons why with not only have we seen in the last five years that we've been going, that developers are starting to look at how they procure differently and going to a construction management or, or starting to think that it might be a viable route for them, albeit with some challenges and some hurdles to get over to get to do it. Um, as people are starting to change and as perceptions are starting to change and with the five years forecast ahead where someone's got to find 5% saving somewhere just to break even to where they are today. Yeah. Um, the agile route or the construction management route is probably quite a simple way to do it in that you can, if you, if you're managing your, your team well, and you're, you're spending going back to the example of 1 million pound, um, build costs, you've got a hundred thousand there to build a team of even just one, one project manager. And then you can, you can use the other hundred thousand, um, as 10% saving and, and you can find equilibrium. Um, so there's definitely, I, I, I believe that there is, is challenging time ahead short term um, for developers. I think it's been quite a challenging period short term anyway. Yeah. Um, but especially in London and South East, which is, you know, almost, uh, you feel the problems in the London and South East almost instantly. There is a, probably a lag to other parts of the country in, mm-hmm. in property, and but London tends to be affected immediately. And then mm-hmm. it, it, there's a lag to the rest of the country. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I can, I can see that as well. Um, yeah, it does. It does seem that London is the one area particularly uh, challenged in the next period of time um, with 8% difference yeah. in the costs. So um, away from construction management, we are holding a uh, the first property development masterclass, um, which is the reason I started Bulletproof Development was because I felt that there was an education gap for developers. Um, I'd see acting as development manager and construction manager, I'd see developers making the same problems, the same mistakes time and time again, but not knowing any other way to do it. So uh, it it was basically, you know, I said to myself, right, we need to educate some developers. And and if people are going to make that step from being landlords, you know, uh, maybe with a small property portfolio and moving into development and undertaking development. And there should be some, some basic understanding of the key concepts and, need to do. and principles that we are trained on as professionals yeah. and that we use. And that's a skill set that can be transferred over to others. So the first uh, masterclass is taking place in March and you are going to come in on the second day uh, yep. when we focus quite a lot on the construction side of things. We're going to be looking at contracts um, and quite biased towards construction management because there's so many opportunities for people out there and so much benefit. Uh, so we're actually dedicating a day to construction management, to contracts, and you, you're you going to come in and talk on uh, on day two. Yes, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Um, 
and yeah, we will be probably uh, looking at ways to build in a demo of how the software works and how you can remove the need for a QS to some extent and act as one use, using the software as a developer so that it's interactive. Um, but yeah, absolutely looking to try and explain and impart some knowledge on what you can do to take the construction management leap, if you want to call it that. And we won't give away too much details, but we've got some mutual beneficial benefits for uh, people that attend the masterclass Mm -hmm. and equally people that are subscribers to you guys already are going to get, you know, a a benefit for coming on the course as well. Um, And that's something that's going to be coming out in due course. Yes, absolutely. Um, Hopefully it's going to be uh, popular and lots of people are going to turn up. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I just feel there is definitely a skill set that developers need. Some of them may not know they need it at the moment, but there's definitely a skill set that can be transferred um, and a different way of doing things yeah. that, that some successful people are using and exploiting and others are, are not quite au fait or up to speed probably with the way it should be done. Yeah. Um, even, you know, if I look at the, some developers that I know, you know, we had a chat off air, but there's so many, even just basic principles about the different types of deals you can use to purchase development sites or how you can find development sites or, you know, um, how to set up a, a proper procurement system within your business so that you exploit the savings. There's, there's lots of avenues of skills that can be transferred from what we would use as professionals into people that are, you know, acting as developers, even if you're only doing one development a year, two developments a year. I honestly think that there is a huge, and it goes back to the industry being fragmented, um, there is a huge amount of knowledge share that could happen, but simply doesn't happen um, in the industry. And everyone, well, not everyone, but lots and lots of people do want to learn. Lots of people are interested in understanding a different point of view and looking at things not through their own tunnel vision so that they can learn and understand things better. And um I've, I think that there's nothing more important, honestly, for, for the industry in uh, knowledge sharing. Do you think that, that that lack of knowledge sharing construction and development is because people are afraid that a transfer of knowledge is a transfer of power and therefore they would they would lose their advantage? Or is it just because people are so busy in the professional construction world with, with work that you know it doesn't even come into a fault to, to transfer knowledge across uh, to people? Perhaps a little bit of um, the latter, but... And speaking from a construction background as opposed to real estate and development, um, so I can speak more on that side of things, is that it's an industry uh, which generally lacks trust. Um, You you work with people once or twice. Relationships don't necessarily, it's it's again fragmented. You're working with people one-off on a project, maybe twice. Um, You're out for yourself. Um, There's loads of different variables loads of other contractors that can cause you an issue if you're a contractor. Um, and I would say knowledge share, when when people take themselves away from the day job, everyone's interested in knowledge share. And we have a, we have a very big mailing list where there's loads of amazing feedback where in the confines of their own space, um, professionals are really, really happy to knowledge share, et cetera, et cetera. But day to day, because... And again, I'm talking as a QS, where you're trying to protect yourself it's, so often. It's such a combative industry, isn't it? That's it's, exactly it's, the word. I, yeah. I explained it to 
when we was operating large projects in central London, I, I tried to explain it to sort of family members and my wife. It's like getting up in the morning to go and have a fight and an argument every single day. Yeah. And that argument didn't stop until you got home and probably it carried on on emails. It carried on on phone. Yeah. And it's very sad really, isn't it? And business shouldn't be like that. But yeah. in construction, it seemed to be accepted that, the moment you say something that somebody doesn't like, it's an argument and, and everybody becomes argumentative and the blame game starts and finger pointing starts it's, and it's, it's flawed to some extent. It's, 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 it's very strange. Uh, my, my girlfriend, she is a project manager for a um, pretty, pretty large company working on a, on a really nice job in uh, King's Cross. And uh, I was explaining to my sister, actually, something along the lines of uh, what Anna, my girlfriend, is going through day in, day out, the, the volume of arguments that she's having as a project manager. And my sister was just shaking her head thinking, that's not how, not how you work. I said, it's, this is construction. I'm afraid it's, yeah, uh, I, it's not a place where people are trying to uh, put their arm around you. They're trying to um, take, take money out of your pocket for one of a bit. No, and I, I um, so I was a guest actually on, a, on another podcast um, uh, uh, late earlier last week mm -hmm. and um, it's a podcast to do with commercial property and we were talking um, all things development really and there was yeah. I was answering some questions around the topic of development in a commercial property world and one question I was asked was have you ever ever had a project that hasn't run into problems or had the arguments mm. and I couldn't honestly answer a project that that hasn't happened on yeah well that that's uh Funny that you say that actually, because um, that's that's totally our my experience as well. One of the reasons why we started Sealink was that Chris and I were sat in the pub talking, and in different spheres of the industry, if you like, having very similar problems and not finding life particularly easy. And one of the things that we did at, before we um, went ahead with throwing in our day jobs uh, back in 2015 was we thought let's see if we're not the only people who feel, who feel like this so we sent out a survey at the time quite quite detailed survey but one of the interesting uh, answers in response it was something like so we were asking QS's and project managers something along along the lines of um, how how has procurement affected your project has it ever ever affected your project neg negatively in terms of time and or in terms of money and something like 70 percent of people came back and said it has very much affected um I've, I've, procurement wise i've very much been affected time and money wise um by poor decisions that we've made or disputes and so on so uh, and even though there's 30 percent that said that they're that didn't say they were very much I, I do think a little there's some fibbers there it is a it is a flawed industry for anybody that that is looking outside at the construction industry it's it is it is flawed to some extent and you wonder at what point it stops because we all know of over the last say five or six years main contractors buying work and you know f you take it you know, for those that don't under appreciate the term buying work it's where a contractor will take a contract and know they're taking a loss before they start the work and so their process from when they start as as qs is as we know is to recover that loss through the supply chain. through the supply chain by beating down the subcontractors and actually in some cases ruining the subcontractors business which is another reason why construction management is a good way to go because if you're a developer and you're giving all of, you're putting all your eggs in the main contractor basket. Um, and that main contractor is doing things in a 
challenging environment where they don't, they're don't, they not making much money, they're going to be on the offensive, uh, if you want to say that, uh, with their supply chain, which naturally means that your, your end product, what you're trying to deliver for whoever your buyers or renters are, um, is going to be affected because the materials are probably going to be you, of a lower standard. Get- There's going to be a lot of disputes, which inherently with disputes means that time drags on. So your program's going to delay. And if, if, if money is tight, um, why not release 20% of that money? They've tried to fix it with a construction act and, you know, because a lot of the delayed payments was, was actually public sector Mm. that was enforcing some of, you know, horrendous payment terms. So they tried to, they have tried to do something about it, but without knowing as a developer, you can be caught up in, in, in a situation that is a really difficult one. Um, You know, you can have, if a, if a main contractor is buying work, Mm at the start, that's only going to go one way and that's negative in some way, whether that's suppliers going bust, whether that's subcontractors going bust, whether that's a delay because of lack of payments moving down the chain. And you even have funders now. Uh, I was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago and he was asked by the bank to find a triple A rated contractor to do the work, which is a large main contractor who are probably going to buy the work. And if they're not, they're at very, very small percentages, you know, one, one and a half, two percent, three percent is at that triple A level is, is what people are working to. And they're going to be, I said to him in 12 months time, you're going to be in a really difficult situation because yeah. that is just the way it's happening now so much all of the time. Yeah. I mean, I, this, this, the thing is from my, my point of view, having come from a construction background, I know that uh, in in my heart of hearts, it's not the most uh, it's not an industry that you brag about working. It's not the most attractive of industries, right? Um, and therefore, I can imagine for quite a few developers, they do think the construction is the dirty side of things that I don't really enjoy. And uh, I, I I enjoy making deals, finding land, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I to- I totally get that. Um, but there's so much money that you're spending year in, year out on construction. And there are so many people, really, really good professionals who are capable of helping you manage the process um, that even if it isn't something that you necessarily enjoy, it, it should be something where you're acting as um, in the leanest possible way. Well, for me too, which is something that I'm uh, really promoting to developers in our course that we're going to be doing the masterclass mm. And also with the content that we're putting out there, the two big, big benefits of construction management, the first one is the savings that you can make. Now, if you translate that back to what developers actually understand, the amount of deals that you appraise that are probably not viable because of fine margins, you know, whether it's the landowner overpricing the land, whether it's a deal not being able to happen because the construction costs are slightly too high. So now if you flip the coin on that and say, well, actually, if my construction costs are now... 10% less than they should have been, how many potential deals would that have unlocked previously that haven't been exploited or unlocked because of, you know, costs being inflated slightly by contractors. Totally agree. And then aside from that, the second one is, you know, it's happened to me on more than one occasion, contractors going bust, 
through the project. Uh, the most notable one uh, that's recently for me caused a delay. Uh, this was late last year, but but effectively it was an 18 month delay on a project because the main contractor went bust six months into the project, already starting the M&E side of things. So now we had a huge problem of trying to find M&E contractors that would take over from that one contractor. And, you know, and, and it was it was a difficult situation and it was 18 months of of issues to get the project to the end. All of your eggs are in one basket with the main contractor as well. Yeah, whereas construction management, if the M&E contractor was to go bust, you take them out and you put a new M&E contractor in and that's yeah. it. It's as I simple mean, as that. What, what I would say about um, another benefit of uh, construction management, in my opinion. It depends how how focused as a developer you are on um, your end product. If if you're uh, if you see it as very important how your end product um, is delivered, with construction management you have much more control over your product. You're not handing handing over the keys to your design effectively. Whereas a lot of funders we see um, will be saying. You need to find a main contractor, a design and build main contractor to, to do this, um, and then we'll give you the money. Um, with that approach and with design and build as a procurement route, you are handing over keys to the design to a certain extent to the main contractor and giving them the gift of m- managing the design process. And that can often mean with tight margins and challenging uh, business environments that the main contractor will try and create a design or product selection that is the most economical for them. And I've been in that position where I was a subcontractor on one of the last jobs where I was working on, on Battersea Power Station, it was a big one, where um, we were trying, we, we were, it was a challenging project for us budget-wise, and we were trying to find intelligent ways to design and build out um, to meet our budgets. So if you're a developer um, that cares seriously about what your end product is and wants to be the one that stands out uh, in the relatively saturated market, I guess, particularly in yep. London, um, of apartments and so on. If you're going with D&B, potentially you're going to have that saturated product that a lot of the D&B contractors are providing, not wrongly, just because that's how... That's how it works. Yeah, that's yep. how it works. Yep. Um, construction management gives you the opportunity to keep control of your end product, um, which I think is another significant uh, value add in a, in a challenging housing market. Well, we're both sold on it. Um, so <laughs> yeah. if, um, where can uh, listeners find C-Link? If you give me a website address or, you know, where, where people can go to find out more information. So you, you just, um, just head to the website, www.c-link.com. And, and we're there. We've got lots of use, useful resources, uh, blogs, um, ebooks, and lots of different templates that you can use and access for free. And um, we also have a free trial that you can uh, have a demo and see how the software works. Okay, wonderful. Well, Paul, thank you for uh, coming in and uh, um, joining us. Uh, For those of you that want more information on Bulletproof Development, if you go to www.bulletproof-development.com and you will find information there about the Property Development Masterclass that both Paul and I are going to be speaking at. Um, I'm there, unfortunately, for you guys over the three days and Paul is there uh, on day two um, where we focus quite a lot on construction management as a method of procurement and uh, the benefits and there will be some demos of the software and some uh, hidden benefits for everybody uh, when it comes to using C-Link which is going to be available to you when you uh, buy a ticket to the masterclass thanks for listening and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode